And now New Zealand just wind down the clock. The full-time siren is about to hit in Dunedin. There it goes. It spits out. It goes to touch. And New Zealand do it again at home. They come back from a huge halftime deficit to down Australia again. 23-20 at the close in Dunedin. Yeah, there it was. The All Blacks get away with another Bledisloe win over the Wallabies in this afternoon's second and final match of the series at Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin. Uh, Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate powered by ASICS. And I'm joined by the great Jim Tucker and my regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host Harry Jones for the instant reaction to New Zealand's 23-20 win over Australia today. Their final hits hits out uh, south of the equator with all attention now turning to the Rugby World Cup. Oh, what have we just watched, guys? I mean, it's a familiar feeling, but I don't know, I don't know whether to... I'm caught between being really pleased with the improvements and things and whether to be really annoyed and how they let that second half slip. What, what did you guys make of that? Oh, I think you've got to have the anger first because yeah. you can't ever think, oh, it's good enough just being close to the All Blacks. That That's how we were all brought up when wins were so hard to grab in the 1970s and 1980s, and it still has to be the attitude. For me, as soon as Artie Sevilla made that brilliant, brilliant try-saving rap on the yeah. ball, that's the game. That will be the moment we look yeah. back on. Um, we've been there before. I, I remember Eden Park in 2009 leading 13-3 and then we managed to bungle a try, which would have put us out. George Smith, Beric Barnes didn't quite get it right. And that was the same thing. You get one little blink against the All Blacks. Yeah. You don't take it and it's going to come and hurt you. But great game and great belief these guys will get from that match. Yeah. That moment, Harry, was the 29th minute. That's, a, that's an early turning point in the game, isn't it? No, but I know what Jim means. Like yeah. that was the time to, um, you know, put the knife in, put the foot on yeah. the throat. That was the where you actually can say we're not going to let you off the hook. I mean, the early signs were beautiful though. Only fifty-three tackle attempts for the Wallabies in the first half, which was a huge departure. All the the uh, the sins of two thousand twenty-three seemed to be cured. You know, yeah. Uh, there were only four penalties, for example. Seventy-seven um, percent territory. So. It looked so good for so long. And then, you know, once again, I think we said uh, a week ago, you said uh, calling all tight heads. Yeah. You know, not having a short up scrum in the end was how the All Blacks kind of just pushed their way back in and finally won the final penalty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a familiar, a familiar feeling for all these fans right now. That's for sure. You all know the instant reaction format well and truly now. Uh, for those of you new to the pod this season, these instant reactions are our immediate post match thoughts on what we've just seen. And the format is pretty simple. We'll come up with our headline summary of the game and we'll go through them. And then we go into stocks rising and falling from both sides of that contest. And then to finish, we'll 
have a quick review of the Southern Hemisphere tests in 2023 before we cast a first eye towards France uh, with the Wallabies heading there in just a few weeks' time. So let's get into it uh, with our headlines first. And Oh, where do you go with this one, Jim? What is your headline this time around? Uh, I mean, you can have all twists on heartache and all that sort of stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing the positive signs for the Wallabies and from this season. Super Hooper is, is me. Yeah. Uh, I just think... We've been looking to uncover a six of quality and we found one in Tom Hooper. Like, he just goes for a full 80. Like, there, there was no given on that try he scored. You look at it and that's sort of six hard metres out from the line. Yeah. And he, he was not going to be stopped. And then you flick down to the 76th minute and he's ripping a ball out of the middle of a mall and getting something rolling and then having a hit up just after that. Made a turnover. Like, I just think he's... Uh, a real missing element that Australia's been wanting to find. Um, still haven't quite grooved the the back row, but maybe this is the back row that we start the World Cup with, with uh, McBride, Hooper and uh, Rob Valentini. Yeah, it could well be. It's not, a, it's not a bad shout. Harry, what is your headline? Building blocks begin. Yeah. And then my yeah. subtitle would be All Blacks off the hook again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, I've gone sort of similar lines. Obviously, I've just gone with ain't possession grand because they <laughs> played. They played with. Uh, I mean, by halftime it was actually fifty fifty, but but about half an hour, thirty two minutes in, it was still up around sixty percent, and the Wallabies were asking lots and lots of questions of the New Zealand defence. It was just a a completely different. Um, first half performance from what we've seen. Even last week in Melbourne, it was really, really encouraging. Um, and I think it showed that, that that's got to be the way this Australian side played. For all this talk about, you know, you don't try score tries after three phases and, you know, that we've got to, we've got to play the game in the right position, the right, right period, place of the, on the field. That first half showed that the Wallabies can actually run their way out of their own half. Um, and the, the contrast there is that when Nick White came on in the last 20 minutes or the last 15 minutes or so, they went back to the box kicks from their own 22 and they were coming down inside their own half. And that just gave New Zealand way too many chances, I think. So that this needs to be the turning point this game where Eddie Jones and his, and his Wallaby coaching staff realised that they actually might have found a way for this squad to play heading into the World Cup. So let's hope that that is the case. You're looking at me funny, Harry, when I say that. Well, I don't know if they can sustain it for a full 80. I will say this. Yeah. That was quick ruck ball. So a for the lot first quicker. 30 minutes, the Wallabies had the quickest ruck ball. For the first 30 minutes, they found soft shoulders. The All Blacks were riding tackles. It looked like, I don't know about you guys, I thought the Wallabies won the collisions in the first 30 minutes. Um so that yeah, so I, they'd have to figure out a way to bring that from the bench, yeah, and sustain it. That I guess that's what you're saying too. So yeah, 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 exactly right. And just before we came, I saw uh, Artie Savia talking with Sonny Bill Williams on the the Stan Sport coverage, and he just mentioned that the 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 messaging at halftime was that the, the the Wallabies had thrown all the punches, and that the All Blacks had to come out after after halftime and throw the first one. And so for all that talk, Harry, there about you know, what they did for the first 30 minutes, I keep, I, I immediately come back to that turning point, Jim, of yours, which is the 29th. And, yeah. and it all marries up, doesn't it? 
But you looked what happened immediately after that. You had uh, yeah. Stevenson yeah. and Jordan uh, having a misfire in midfield. There's a little knock-on. Like, if you've got that little buffer, no matter what team you're playing against, yeah, uh, catch-up footy uh, puts that extra bit of pressure. You might score one yeah. try, but you're still another uh, 12, 14 points. You've still scored two more after that, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just make that, that's the screws. That's called the, the screws that you apply in the... Yeah. The vice that the All Blacks are very good at putting on other teams, and yeah. we had had to do that. Yep, keeps yeah, going. Jim, on that on that, on that break, uh, you did you did point out on Twitter. I saw that you were not too fond of Tate's move because it looked like yeah. he was isolated, and and then you got a lot of pushback. I actually think that's probably right, though. What you said because it was a really really tough. I mean, he's going through two big fellas. And he doesn't have a great with, angle with Savia coming with Savia coming across in cover on the, on the cover. My, yeah. My, my my point in all that is that the mall was still going forward. It was still going infield, right. and if he even if he just lets it go another meter forward, another meter forward infield, then that's another meter that those two defenders outside Savia have got to cover, and it might just allow a little bit extra time for another support runner to get there. And if he can make if he can make a you know a two on one or even a two on two going down that short side instead of going himself with effectively three defenders, maybe yeah, that's and the ref- that. And the referee was allowing two-minute advantages, uh, 50 Yeah, minutes. well, I was going to get to that. We'll go straight into our, our stocks rising and, and falling. Harry, if you want to keep us going, who, who, were, who were the stocks rising as you saw it? Uh, there were a lot of people, uh, a lot of players out there, and I. we have to also give props to the p- coaching staff, I think, that saw yep. the error of their ways and uh, tweaked and calibrated. Uh, but I think we're all going to talk about Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper was um, right. thrown into the deep end and test rugby, fed to the Lions uh, up in uh, Pretoria, uh, smashed out of there, and then I think was a tackle machine for a while. But I think he found his, his attack, and I think that was good to see. So if we're looking yep. for some kind of Fardy-esque uh, character that that might be it for the All Blacks. I thought you know you thought you know Shannon Frizzell was the second coming of Jerome Kano. We're talking about blindsides now and then. Uh, Semapenny Finau comes on and he lights was, up the good. stadium as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, I would say the All Blacks. You know what, what you should say here is the template to follow for the Wallabies. Not so much about technique here and there and a game plan. You know A B C. It's that the no panic at the Dunedin Disco. Yeah, and All Blacks did not panic, and I think if the Wallabies had just been a little bit more patient and a little more yeah. clinical, a couple places that would have been a six to eight point win. Yeah. Uh, it was right there. It was right there on the boots, and um, so I think I think the stocks rising has to be that the Wallabies do look like they could put something on the field in the World Cup that could trouble uh, someone. Now you know, could it be three games in a row? We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Jim, yeah. who did you have in the stocks rising? Well, just running off Harry for a moment there. Like, I think we're fine in indoor stadiums. Uh, you got to remember that. <laughs> no wind, uh, perfect uh, conditions. Like, you tell me what France is going to be like. There's going to be greasy conditions yeah. uh, at various times, uh, wind factor to, to deal with. So that's still a question mark. But I guess that factors into uh, a stocks rising team-wise, like, the little things that make a hell of a difference. Like we took two kickoffs right at the start and Wakanita Wasi and Kellaway nabbed them. Uh, we got a, a little bit of uh, scrum edge as well, uh, which was good. A couple of early penalties. Uh, Fesler, big stocks rising. He's on the plane to yeah. France now. First yeah, ball no on. doubt. Bang, 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 bang. All on the spot. Um, it's even a choice between him and 
uh, Ulysses, I, I don't think it will be. They'll probably both go. It's got to be Fesla ahead because uh, Jordan's just a little bit uh, shy on the trigger when it, it comes to perfect line-out throws. So I think yeah. Fesla was very good. I think Jordi Patea has really taken his hand, uh, sorry, his chances the last two weeks. Uh, he did some really lovely things, uh, nice shuffling footwork, that little part in the offloading game that the Aussies have uh, elevated today when they're on the front foot, uh, and not the 50-50 stuff. He did it really nicely, and there was one run there where he just got his legs rolling and moving yeah. and made yeah, probably 15 metres in big traffic. So I think he has really nailed down a spot. Uh, if Iketau comes back, it'll be on the wing, but uh, he's just slotted into outside centre uh, really well. So there's just a couple of guys for me. Yeah, no, all, all, all good shouts. Um, I had Tom Hooper written down. I had Matt Fessler thrown down, and, and, and he was fantastic uh, coming in basically day of game. You know, Jordan, you Leslie went down uh, at training yesterday, as we understand it, and, and a call was made um, very late in the piece um, before kickoff today and he just handled that perfectly uh, Matt Fessler, I'm really, really, really pleased for him because I was thinking that I, I can't believe that we've seen this guy in a squad for a month now and he's not got a chance and you know, you'd hate to have thought he might miss out of the World Cup squad having not even got a chance to, to show what he's going to do so he'll absolutely go to France now, I'm quite sure about it. I'll throw up I'll throw up Andrew Kellaway and I'll throw up Carter Gordon because they were both really, really strong. Um, Andrew Kellaway's looking more and more comfortable at fullback which I'm really pleased to see but Carter Gordon, I I don't know whether I, I said this last Saturday in, in Melbourne or whether I wrote it on Tuesday about Carter Gordon, but I feel like there's a a big decision coming as to whether it's Gordon or Cooper going forward. And I think Gordon, again, has shown well and truly enough to say that I'm the guy going forward. And, you know, Quade Cooper has done a lot for this team, even in his, you know, his second or third coming as a Wallaby fly half, but he just hasn't been able to have the impact, uh, certainly coming off the bench. So um, I think Carter Gordon is just doing everything asked of him and, and more at the moment, which has been fantastic to see. On the other side of the coin, uh, I think there's a big question mark over Dave Parecki now. I think that's the second or third failed HIA this year alone, and that would be concerning for him. I think there's a few question marks about Zane Nongor coming off the bench. And I'm still not 100% convinced about Rob Liotta as well. And you mentioned before, Jim, if the if the back row going forward might be, you know, Hooper, Val, Hooper McWright, Valentini, then that really tells me that you really do need someone like Pete Samu on the bench, I think, there. Yeah, lots of parts there. Uh, it's hard to decide who the fly-off is in a vacuum because it depends a lot on who the nine is. And I think there's a True. sort of a pairing issue here where we have very disparate looking nines and also very different tens. And so the puzzle is to try and fit which one is the starter finisher. Uh, and also on Carter Gordon, no no uh, debate on how wonderful he played and, mm. and it looked really good. But in test footy, especially in knockout matches, making your kicks is yeah. job number one for the kicker. And if he's, so if he's the assigned kicker, and you saw that, you know, the difference in Quaid, even with all the distraction of not finding the bloody T, he, <laughs> yes. he still slid that over yeah. from a great distance, whereas Carter did actually miss probably the easier Yeah, kick. hit the post, yeah. hit the post yeah. earlier on. He had, he had a had a kick for touch early on too, didn't didn't go as, as well. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a bad point. Um did you have some stocks rising? Where are you going there? Stocks falling, sorry, where are you going there? 
I mean, for me, stocks falling uh, was hard to find on a night like this. Um, no, like I, I looked at the, what the Wallabies did by putting men over the ball and, and yeah. counter-rucking. And that was the template to get back in, by the way, uh, into this uh, series and then to dominate that first half. It was actually what the Springboks did during that period of time when they had ascendancy. Uh, I suppose stocks falling would be uh, the inability to keep that going for that final point yeah. because counter-rucking... If, if, if the Wallabies are going to do a lot of tackling and seed possession on purpose, then you have to have men over the ball. Yes. What I liked was that so many people, like Jordan Pattaya got over the ball. There were different yeah. people. Will Skelton, Will Skelton again. Yeah. Will Skelton, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I would say it's leadership at a critical point in a match like that. And I don't know who to point to here, whether it was James Slipper, whether it was senior leaders, Nick Nick White. Someone didn't steady the ship yeah. right when they need to just – I think the referee would have awarded something if they got over the ball, but there was 25 phases in a row where nothing really, there was no risk taken. And I think yeah. that was critical as well. There was, I mean, it might've been more than 25 phases, but it was a long series where the all blacks just marched down, marched down. And I was thinking, and now's your time. Someone step up. I think he will, he'll whistle and give you the penalty if you get over the yeah. ball. Yeah. Yeah, it was 20, 22 phases late in the game, and then they yeah. Moanga kicked kicked for the for the side, and Stevenson just knocked it on. Oh, I'll, I'll throw in a bonus stock falling here, Jim, and, and that is for the length of penalty advantage that was being played, particularly <laughs> off scrum penalties. And I mean, there was at one point New Zealand went thirty or forty meters downfield, played at least yep. three phases. It might have even been more than that. And then he decided to come back to a penalty scrum penalty near halfway. And I'm like, wow, they were they were in the twenty-two. Like, mm. what? What? How much more advantage do you need? Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the direction rugby's taken with the scrum, where you can get the ball out the back and you just scrum and scrum and scrum to get a penalty, and then you play advantage. Yeah. Like that. Like it's all great to have a strong scrum and whatever, but the the idea of a scrum is to be powerful, dominate it, and get the ball out to maybe facilitate some backline play or whatever. Just this endless sort of okay, serious part of the game is just to milk penalty after penalty. I, I don't like that direction, but yeah. that's, that's where we're at. No, um, I, my, agree, my I, agree, I agree with that. If, if you've got if you've got the if you've got the ball at the number eight's feet and you still haven't won penalty advantage and you've got to, you've got to win a third shove to try and get it. Mm. I mean, come on. So it's supposed yeah. to be a contest for possession. Anyway, sorry, I'll throw you offline there. Uh, but my, my stops falling is, is probably just that horrible hint that we're heading towards 2019 again, where we had Foley and Leah Leofano and White and Ganya and we were chopping and changing yeah. the halves. Like, Eddie's going to have to be a really strong coach to see through uh, the cloudiness of the nines and tens and stay true to a partnership because he can't just go, okay, well, I have one of those and one of those and put them together for the first time. Like, that's that's no. where we are. Like, the French, yeah. Harry, like DuPont, Intermac, they've been playing blindfolded uh, in their yeah. sleep together for, for years. Exactly. And here we are, edge of the World Cup, and we're going, do we have the young guys with energy or do we have the yeah. the old uh, older plotters and planners who can manipulate a game? So it's a, it's a really yeah. tricky uh, situation and we can't solve it without uh, yeah. time and we haven't got time. I think what compounds that, by the way, uh, Jim and Brett, is 
the 15 is also a re recently a recent vintage. So now the the kicking spine, the 9, 10, 15 game managers, and I think that's yeah. what also fell down near the end. And I might have said that stock falling was the kicking game when you really needed it. It wasn't clear. It's almost like yeah. Nick White went back to something that they had been doing, but it, was, it didn't fit this game. Uh, and I think no, that's no, which is yeah. which is the box kicks from their own twenty-two again. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I do, I do agree with that. I, I do agree with that. We still haven't seen Jim. Like I, I'd like to see Nick White start with Carter Gordon and, and play yeah. the same yeah. game that, that that McDermott has played because we know he can. The Brumbies have played off ten all year, so we know that he can play that game. I, I want to see McDermott play with Cooper. And see how they they pair up. I want to see Ryan Lonigan get a shot here. Mm. We, if he if he's the third halfback, he's now going to be making his test debut potentially at a World Cup, uh, which is which is a massive call. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how how we think about it. Speaking of Carter Gordon, uh, here he is with Morgan Morgan Turanui uh, on the Stan Sport coverage just after the game. Carter, let's go through the match in chronological order. Almost, what were the key things that worked so well to skip out of that 14 nil lead at the beginning? Um, yeah, we felt like we were really quick into the breakdowns. We were working, playing on top of them. Um, we focused a lot on get, keeping the ball down their end, pin them in those corners and apply, apply pressure to them. Um, thought that we did that really well in the first half and just needed to stick to that a little bit more in the second half. But we ended up just kind of going down in the set-piece battle a little bit in the second half. They gained a bit of momentum and we did really well defending for heaps of phases along here and turned the ball over a few times, but just wasn't quite enough. They're restricting the All Blacks to 20 points in New Zealand. There's no mean feat. Great defensive sequence just before halftime. That one you mentioned where Richie Mwanga felt he had to do a cross kick. Is that starting to give you more confidence as a group that being able to defend off, off the back of those performances today? Yeah, definitely. The last last two weeks we've defended plus 20 phases for a number of times. So it's um, we're definitely growing in confidence in that space. We just need to be... We just need to capitalise on some of those times where they muck up, um, slow to or clean or something like that. We just need to capitalise there. Talking about growing in confidence, are you finding that yourself individually wearing that number 10 gold jersey? Um, yeah, definitely. I felt, felt a bit more confident out there today. Um, obviously, last week was a big game for me and um, having, having that game under my belt just definitely gave me a lot of confidence coming into this game. Well, you saw a little bit more width to the attack early on and then, of course, you, you came through the middle when you had to. Were there certain parts of the All Blacks defence you were trying to get out that worked well in that first half? Uh, yeah, look, we were just trying to go through them. Play those front doors, get them on the back foot, and then, then we knew it would open up for us on the edges. And last one, ice on the right calf, nothing too serious? No, just a bit of tightness. Thanks for spending time with us. We'd love to see your first steps in a Wallaby jersey. I hope to see you in Darwin when that squad's announced. Thank you very much. Cheers. So, guys, a bit of a summary of things from here. Where, where the Wallabies head from here? I mean, the answer is to France. Obviously, they they play play France in a in a warm up in three or four weeks' time, the twenty eighth or something like that. I think um, their rugby world cup squad's named Thursday. They're going into camp up in up in the Northern Territory, up in Arnhem Land, I believe, uh, this week. So they'll start their preparations nice and early. What are they going to be working on as they head north, Jim? Well, uh, working out at the right bait to catch a good-sized barramundi. That's the first thing I'll be looking at. <laughs> Are Darwin Stubby still a thing? Uh, they will be, yeah. The crocodile <laughs> sausages, they're, they're all yeah. up there. I can see uh, Harry Jones's Harry Butler in the wild up there just sort of uh, <laughs> sleep, sleeping out rough at nights and uh, eating foraging off the land. I think he'd do a great yes. job. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, well, I'm there. Where do we go from here? Well, 
I think the the test against France, Eddie will still try and uh, trial a few things, but he, he's got to really get to his his team. Yeah, yeah, uh, and play it because it, that that feeling of uh, start the France that that's where a lot of the big matches are going to be played. So he wants to get that visualization of a strong performance um, embedded in his team, uh, and then Georgia, the first game of the World Cup, you've got to play your best team, and then. Yeah, well, uh, and then Fiji second game, like Fiji second game. So it's going to be first fifteen, first two yeah. weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they've got to find the halves. They've got. To, I, I think we've we've worked out, and I think a lot of people are scratching their heads. What is the best halves combination? There, there's just more energy and more speed to McDermott and Gordon together. Yeah. But is that the best pairing? Um, we, we're still to see. Um, so there's a bit of uh, Eddie. I think we'll have been be doing stuff behind the scenes that no one is seeing. Like before uh, the 2015 World Cup, he had months and months working on a game plan specifically for Japan to beat South Africa. Yeah. So what's his game that he's working on? Like he'll have two, he'll have planning for test match ahead plus uh, six weeks of planning for one game at the World Cup yeah. just to, yeah. to get it right. Uh, which no one will be seeing. So is that yeah. Wales that he's planning for? Is it maybe England in a quarterfinal? Um, I'm not sure. It's so, going to be Wales. It's going to be Wales and Fiji, Harry, to start yeah. with, surely. Yeah, and the problem there is the two very different kinds of uh, yeah. game plans, so they're not as easy to mesh. Uh, I suppose um, there's still a few things to find. I, I always, I never know if Eddie is a lucky guy or unlucky guy. Sometimes he's a very lucky guy. And the Wallabies are sort of taking on that personality. Was he's lucky in the some some ways because I think Eddie sometimes puts something very different on the field and it works. But then I think he gets caught a lot of times by front row issues and kicking issues, which are as old as time in rugby. Yeah. So I think you know they're still going to sort out who is going to be our second front row yeah. in a knockout match against Wales or against England, or against Argentina. Yeah. Argentina Argentina can be scrummed against, so that's actually kind of a, a welcome thing, but is an attacking prop uh, on offer. And England might put a really tough set piece on the field, so could they survive it? And, you know, today's match looked like uh, there's still some trouble there. Yeah. On the kicking, I think they have to work out um, specifically in what cir- uh, scenarios are we kicking and what ones are we going and have greater clarity around that. Because I think... Kellaway and uh, Gordon and Cooper can perform those things. I just have to yes. know what they're doing. Yep. And Nick White's as clever as a guy who ever played, so I think he can work it out too. But some some real clarity around that. And then finally, on the issue of when we're going for the ball, getting over the ball, I, I think, I, I don't know, they're still a little bit too tentative. When the game was on the line, I wanted to see them say, I will make the referee make a choice right now instead of just playing out the hand. Yeah. Those, yeah, those are my three issues. Yeah, Will Skelton won that ruck penalty in the 70th minute, and I don't think they had another crack on the ball in that last 10-minute yeah. period at all. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really good point that you make. Uh, Argentina hosts South Africa in Buenos Aires to complete their Southern Hemisphere season Sunday morning Australia and New Zealand time. Uh, we're not quite in the pointless prediction state we were this time last week, but Jim, how do you how do you see that one going very very quickly? Well, that was just a way to shame us all last week, wasn't it? It was. One point game. <laughs> there was so, literally literally nothing for us to win there, was there? Absolutely nothing to gain. So I'm, I'm boycotting this section. Okay. Uh, no. So what, what will I say? Um, I think the Argentinians have really shown again that they're a potential World Cup semi-final team. Yeah. Uh, if they get it right. 
Um, I think uh, South Africa, multiple changes again. Um, this, I, I think South Africa will win this uh, yeah. by, by about seven points. I, I just think they'll uh, knuckle down and, and win it. Yeah. Harry, what's your, what's your quick, quick prediction? Oh, it's a very spicy Springbok team. I think the, the packs will go to war. There'll be some cards and punches thrown. I don't know. I think it's going to be up in the air. The home team probably goes out in front and then the Springboks catch them at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Argentina take a win here. I just think it would do, it would do all sorts of things if they, if they could. And it might even do set up for a favour. I, I, don't, I don't know. But we will, we will see. And that is another instant reaction behind us after New Zealand's 23-20 win over the Wallabies this afternoon in Dunedin. The final match in home time zones for both sides in 2023 before they head to Europe. Thank you both. It's been a really, really interesting international season down our part of the world. Cheers. Cheers, Brett. Thanks, uh, thanks, guys. And we'll have all the fallout tomorrow and throughout the week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting home of all your favourite international rugby analysis and opinions and conversations. And don't forget, you only have until midnight Tuesday to make the selections of Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15. So head to the site now and have your say. Thanks so much for your company. Harry and I will be back on Tuesday morning Australian time for another great episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast powered by ASIC's where with the help of a genuine expert in the field, we'll be delving into rugby numbers like we've never delved before.